Well, in the uh, 1950s, uh, Solomon Ash conducted a famous series of psychological experiments uh, designed to reveal the degree to which a person's own opinions are influenced by those of a group. Uh, people signed up for his experiments thinking that it was a vision test. Uh, the participants were seated in a room and everyone was shown a line and asked to choose the matching line from a group of three lines of different lengths. Uh, the experimenter would ask, then ask each participant in turn to say what they thought the answer was. But the thing is, all of the participants except for one were actually in on the experiment and primed to give the same wrong answer. So what do you think happened when it came to the real subjects of the experiment? Well, as it turns out, three quarters of them also gave the wrong answer, at least once. So strong is the desire in us human beings to conform, to, to fit in, to go with the flow, to not rock the boat. And that is in a low stakes situation. Imagine the pressure to conform when it's accompanied by real threat. Well, as Christians, this is something we have to think seriously about. Because the more our worldview becomes at odds with that of our society, the more we are going to feel the pressure to compromise our faith in order to conform. Like, like when we're expected to accept and even celebrate ideas about sex and marriage and gender that go against God's word. Or when our family expects us to participate in idolatrous practices like ancestor worship. Or when there's a culture of dodgy dealings at work and we're expected to toe the line. Or when our friends at school or uni are breaking God's commands and telling us, come on, everybody's doing it. What are we to do at those times? Well, I reckon we're going to find today's passage really helpful and really encouraging as we think about these issues. So if you don't already have a Bible open in front of you at Daniel chapter 3, let me encourage you, open there with me now. It's page 1379 of the Church Bibles, Daniel chapter 3. The chapter begins with the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, making a golden statue, uh, probably of some Babylonian god. And at 27 metres high, or nine storeys, uh, it would have been a pretty imposing sight. Uh, as someone in my Bible study this past week said, it was as big as Nebuchadnezzar's ego. Well, on the day of the statue's dedication, uh, Nebuchadnezzar organises for everyone to be there, including all of his officials, his satraps, his prefects, his governors, etc., and now, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is made up from, well, with, it's made up from people from all over the place, made up with people from all over the place. Uh, exiles from the various nations conquered by the Babylonians, of which the Jews are just one. And of course, these exiles all have allegiances to their own gods. And so in building this image, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he wants to unite everyone in, in the worship of his God. And in the process, remind everyone that he is in charge. Now, to motivate the crowd to get into the spirit of things, 
Uh, Nebuchadnezzar organises for a praise band, uh, you know, to enhance the grandeur of the occasion. But just in case the music isn't enough to get the crowd into a, a worshipful mood, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has another little incentive, a furnace, uh, maybe the same, you, the same one used in the statue's construction, but it blazes a powerful warning to anyone who might hesitate to obey. And so the king's decree goes out to the crowd. When you hear the music playing, bow down and worship my idol or else. And with that, the music starts playing and the sea of people drop to the ground in worship. Here, read with me from Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial, provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And I'm sure that as he looks on, the king smiles with delight. That is, until some of Nebuchadnezzar's astrologers come to him with some disturbing news. Three men in the crowd, shock horror, are still standing. And they are none other than Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Daniel's three friends, who you might remember, were promoted to high official positions in the last chapter. These Jews have defied the king's order and are refusing to bow before his idol. And so what's going on? Why are only these three men standing? Well, I dare say that most people in the crowd this day have come from nations where polytheism is the norm, where they worship multiple gods. And so they're probably thinking to themselves, well, what's one's more god in the collection? You know, who cares? Let's get through this ceremony. Let's put on a show for the king. Let's give him what he wants. And then let's get on with our lives. But for these Jews, it's different. They are monotheists, worshipping only one God. A God who is commanded, you shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. What's more, these three men know that it was their ancestors' stubborn idolatry that had gotten them exiled in the first place. And so when they're told to bow to the idol, they understand that remaining faithful to God means, quite literally, taking a stand. Well, when the king hears of this, he is livid. And so he calls for these three insubordinates to be brought to him. And he rants and he rages before giving them one more chance to bow or burn. Read with me from verse 8. Verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Wow, he's furious, isn't he? Not to mention full of himself. Unfortunately, it seems Nebuchadnezzar still hasn't uh, grasped the lesson from his dream in the last chapter. He still reckons it's all about him, not God. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego know that there is indeed a God who can save them. And what's more, a God who is worthy of their obedience, whether he chooses to save them or not. And so they make their decision. They will not bow, even if they have to burn. Read with me from verse 16. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your hand, majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We are talk about courage. Hey, this is extraordinary faith, isn't it? 
Not that Nebuchadnezzar's impressed, mind you. Now, at this point, he has reached boiling point. How dare they defy him like this? And so he orders that the dial on the furnace be turned up to max and the three Jews be tied up and thrown in. Well, at this point, the fire is so fierce, it even incinerates the poor, unfortunate servants tasked with chucking them in. But then a very unexpected thing happens. As Nebuchadnezzar peers into the flames, he can't believe his eyes. Not only are the three Jews still alive, but they're, they're walking around, uh, unbound. And now, now there's a fourth man with them. Well, naturally, the, the, the king is gobsmacked. Uh, weren't there three men that we threw into the furnace, he asks? Then who on earth is... And then the penny drops. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's God has saved them, just like they said. Which means, obviously, he is the God of gods, the most high God. And so the king calls the three men out of the furnace. And as they crowd around them, everyone is amazed to see that the fire has had no effect on them whatsoever. Read with me from verse 19. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a, head of their, a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Well, this is obviously a miracle, isn't it? There's no denying it. And through it, the Babylonian king gains a, a newfound respect for the God of the Jews. And so where the chapter begins with a decree for all the people to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's God, it ends with him issuing a decree that no one may say anything bad about the God of the Jews. 
and he promotes the three men to even higher positions in his service. Here, read with me these final verses of today's passage from verse 28. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble. He is certainly a man of extremes, isn't he, Nebuchadnezzar? For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And so I guess you could say that these three men first had to get fired in order to get a raise. <laughs> Got fired in order to get a raise. But jokes aside, jokes aside, this is an amazing story, isn't it? It's extraordinary. And one, I'm sure, would have meant so much to the original readers of Daniel. To those Jews who continued to live under foreign domination in a polytheistic culture. Because what we have here is a story where the mighty power of God is clearly on display. Along with the faithfulness of these three men who refused to bow even if it meant losing their lives. And so it's a story that would have invigorated and emboldened the faith of God's people, especially those who are facing similar pressures. And it's interesting to note that after the Jews return from Babylon to Judah, that there is no more evidence of idol worship ever taking place. And in fact, there are many stories during those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament of faithful Jews making a stand for their faith, even when it cost them dearly. And I can't help but wonder if the example of these three men had at least something to do with it. Which leads me to ask, what about us Christians here today? As the post-Christian culture around us becomes increasingly hostile towards our beliefs and as we increasingly feel the, the pressure to conform, what do you think this passage has to say to us? Well, I think there are at least four lessons we can learn here. Firstly, firstly that there are times when we're going to need to take a stand. There are times when we will need to take a stand. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we also believe in one true God, don't we? Yes? We follow the, his son, the Lord Jesus. And our first allegiance is to him, is it, is it not? But how easy it can be for us to cave in 
when the pressure's on. To, to rationalise what we know is wrong. I mean, how simple would it have been for these three Jews to justify bowing there that day? We think you can imagine it, can't you? What's going through their minds? Uh, you know, oh, I mean, oh, finally, we've, we've, we've got influence in the royal court. Uh, you know, what good are we to anybody, especially our brothers and Jewish brothers and sisters, if we're dead? Uh, besides, you know, if we, if we bow on the outside, we won't really be bowing on the inside. God will understand. But they didn't rationalise. Because they knew their first allegiance was to God. And friends, ours should be too. Not to the government. Not to our bosses. Not to our families. Not to our friends. But to Jesus. He is the one that we should seek to please above all others. When we're tempted to bow in order to not offend people. Friends, let's make sure that we do not offend our God in the process. There are times when our worldview will clash with those around us. And we'll be asked to, to do or, or believe something that goes against what God says. And at those times, we'll need to take a stand. Not obnoxiously, not violently, but firmly, resolutely, with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. That's what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did, isn't it? They didn't attack or insult the king. They didn't try to blow up the idol. No, they always stayed respectful, but resolute. So let's learn from their example. That's point number one. Sometimes we've got to take a stand. Secondly, secondly, we've got to remember that our God is worth obeying, even when it costs us. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had no doubts that God could save them if he chose to do so. But they were humble enough to leave the outcome of their obedience with him. If he saved them, he saved them. If he didn't, he didn't. But either way, they would not bow. Ultimately, they obeyed God because they believed he was worthy. Full stop. They were ready to face the fiery furnace if that's what obedience required. And of course, for some Christians today, the, the fiery furnace still exists in places like North Korea and Afghanistan, where being a faithful Christian often means death. We need to be praying fervently for our brothers and sisters in those places. But whilst non-compliance is unlikely to mean death here in Australia anytime soon, there can still be serious consequences for us when we take a stand for Christ. We might find ourselves roasted, 
not in a furnace, but in the media. I mean, think of Israel Folau and the Manly Seven. We might find ourselves reprimanded at work or even fired. Think of Andrew Thorburn. In the near future, the medical workers amongst us who hold to the sanctity of human life and are prepared to perform abortions and assisted suicides could possibly find themselves deregistered. We might cop it on social media or face our family's fury if we don't do as they wish. Now, of course, God is definitely able to save us from the flames And he often chooses to do that. But for his own good purposes, he may not. And at those times, the question is, will we compromise in order to avoid the cost? Well, I reckon it ultimately comes down to this. Is Jesus worth it or not? Is Jesus worth the cost? And of course, friends, we know the answer, don't we? He's the one who gave his life for us. The one who faced the flames of hell for us. The one who has secured an eternal salvation for us. One that is way bigger than any persecution we might face in this life. And all because of his great love for us. Oh, friends, how can we do anything but love him first and foremost in response? Yes, of course he's worth it. So I say let's resolve right here and right now to keep on obeying Jesus, no matter what the cost. But there's a third reason we ought to stand. And that's because our faith and courage will impact others. I mean, imagine if Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had caved in and bowed with everyone else that day. What would their legacy have been? They'd be be long forgotten, wouldn't they? But instead, they chose to make a stand. And we are still encouraged by them, what, two and a half millennia later. Even Nebuchadnezzar in the end praises their God as the God of gods. Not that I think he's converted quite yet, mind you. But he has certainly had his worldview challenged and changed, hasn't he? All because they took a stand. And who knows what impact their faith had on others in the crowd that day. The the officials, the satraps, the the bloke with the zither. I mean, even, even the astrologers that dobbed them in. In fact, did you know that the wise men from the east who later came looking to worship the one born king of the Jews probably came from this same cast of astrologers. Now, how did they know about the coming Messiah? Well, it's not hard to believe that the courageous, uncompromising faith of Daniel and his three friends had 
something to do with it. Friends, the fact is when we compromise, even in our sincere attempts to keep those around us happy, we fail to love them. Because ultimately we fail to show them the true worth of our God. The God they will face on judgment day. But when we stand up, God can use our witness to show a watching world his glory and draw them to himself. And fourth and finally, we should always keep in mind the simple truth that as we stand, we don't stand alone. I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were emboldened by each other's faithfulness that day. And the same could be true for us too. Now, going back to that psychological experiment, uh, the, the, re- the researchers noticed something very interesting, that levels of conformity uh, dropped dramatically if subjects were given a partner alongside them who was primed to agree with them. In other words, when the subject was alone in their decision, they were much more prone to conform. But when they felt like someone was on their side, they were way more likely to speak up. So friends, let's be sure to strengthen and encourage each other, won't we? As we hear of those around us facing the flames, so to speak. And you know, that's why I think a ministry like REACH is so strategic. Not just in reaching unbelievers, but in helping young Christians to stand firm as they go to Babylon High, where undoubtedly the Christian worldview is daily challenged and perhaps even mocked. What an encouragement it must be to meet with like-minded peers and be taught by the likes of Mark and Susie. And that's why I once again, I heartily commend the REACH ministry to your prayerful and generous support. But of course, there may be times when we find ourselves all alone as we take our stand. But as today's story shows us, we're never really alone. Because as God's people, we're assured that Jesus will always be by our side. When Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fiery furnace, he saw one like uh, a son of the gods. But friends, we know that the son of God is forever by our side. That he has promised to be with us to the end of the age. And so while he never promises to save us from the flames in this life, he does promise to be with us in them. And that truth makes a profound difference when we cop it for making a stand. As it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Friends, Jesus has faced the fire for us, as it were. And we can be absolutely certain that he will be with us every time we stand up and stand out for him. 
And so with great confidence, let's pray now that we'll do just that. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for this story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, for their incredible faith and for your incredible faithfulness. Thank you for promising to be with us when we make a stand for what's right. Uh, Please give us great courage and resolve in those times. Keep us from compromising. Help us see clearly how worthy you are of our obedience, no matter what the cost. And Father, please use us to show your glory to a watching world and draw many to yourself as we stand for you. In our Saviour's name we pray. Amen.